Welcome to another episode of the I Am Podcast. I'm Johnny Wilkinson and I really appreciate you being here with me today. I've got a very special offer from our podcast partner that I don't think you're going to want to miss. As you know by now at I Am, we're passionate about exploring performance and potential. We often look at this through the body, how the food we consume affects us. And this is why we've partnered with Vivo Life, who have devoted themselves to understanding how our nutrition plays a significant role in our growth, both physically and mentally. Their products are formulated by nutritionists and are 100% natural, making them the perfect choice for anyone looking to take their well-being to the next level. A big favourite at the Iron Podcast is their Perform Plant Protein, especially in cacao flavour, and their plant-based Omega-3 made from high-potency algae oil. Whichever you choose, you'll quickly understand why Vivo Life products are award-winning when you try them out. Plus, their products are delivered straight to your doorstep via carbon-neutral delivery. Vivo Life really embodies the spirit of our podcast, and we're really keen for you guys to try the products yourselves. So they agreed to run their biggest ever discount exclusively for I Am listeners. The code is I Am Podcast, all in capital letters, which will give new customers 40% off their first order and a further 15% off when they subscribe. The offer ends soon, so don't miss out. Check out their full range of products at www.vivolife.co.uk to discover how they can help you unlock your full potential. Hi everyone, thanks for being here with me as we approach the final few episodes of this current series of the I Am podcast. This week we've got the pleasure of the company of Rachel Hall, elite ballet dancer from the Royal Ballet School who left the stage maybe earlier than most would have predicted in order to go in search of her truth and her potential. This gutsy move has seen her head deep into exploring Buddhism, studying Pilates, but also the fascinating Franklin method which she tells us about and now specializes in, teaches and uses to help others in their own path of self-discovery and of coming home. And so much of it centers upon Rachel's desire and her ability to guide herself out of her mind and root herself in her body. It's led her to experience life in a deeply engaging, very sensitive and far more connected and powerful way. She says it's been the secret to better relationships, growth, and health and well-being so not bad in terms of outcomes it really does excite me to think of people being led by their gifts people following their passions and going on their inspired missions finding out what they're supposed to find out and evolving into what they're supposed to be i love the idea of what this world could be if we allowed this higher intelligence a bit more of a, a say in how things pan out i would also love to hear your thoughts on any of this a massive thank you to rachel hall for her fantastic energy, her open exchange with me and for the being that she is. Please do go see what she's up to on her website. She's been a hugely positive part of my journey already. For that, I am very, very grateful. Thanks again for listening in. And don't be afraid to share this podcast with friends and family, even if it's just to spark some wild and, of course, beautifully respectful debates. It's a pleasure to be sharing this journey with you. I wish you so, so well. My name is Johnny Wilkinson. This is the I Am Podcast with Rachel Hall. So, Rachel Hall, uh, thank you so much for joining me. I'm very much looking forward to this discussion and to reconnecting after a few years since we last spoke. And uh, I know loads has gone on in that time. So how are you, first of all? 
I'm good. Yeah, I feel really good, actually. Yeah, I feel like um, like we've spoken about lots is changing, as always, yeah. and but sometimes change speeds up, doesn't it, in your life? Yeah, and, and like I'd mentioned to you, it's so wonderful to have embodiment practices that are kind of navigating me through change. So, yeah, so, you know, I am good, even though things are dramatically changing things around me. Things are moving. Me. Oh, really? I'm, uh, we're going to pick, we're going to definitely pull on those uh those ideas and get you to talk as much as we can about that. And how would you sort of describe your, uh, I guess, if you want to include a bit of background in there, but how you come to this table and this conversation around potential? What's your angle and, and where's it come from? I think my angle has come from, I trained from a very young age as a professional ballet dancer. So I went off to um, a vocational ballet school at age 11. I'd only just turned 11 which, you know, actually looking back is such an incredible opportunity, such a unique opportunity. And reflecting on that, especially before our conversation today, I almost see it in two, kind of in two minds in a way, that it was such a school of creativity. You know, it was about creating and education and creativity and cultivating that creativity and... It was also an institution where sometimes it was, or very often it was challenging to really um, be truly embodied and truly unique and truly yourself when you had to conform to so much. So it's just yeah. a very interesting paradox where really what you're striving for is your absolute potential. And to be this, you know, our, our goal really was to be a star, I suppose. But yet you're in these confines and very almost scared to put a step, literally a step out of place, a little finger out mm. of place, a breath out of place, let alone a word out of place. So yeah, I think that's where this all this my work stems from, actually. And reflecting on that, you know, almost like how can you reach your full potential when you're in these confines in a way? So how can you? And yet we live in these confines, don't we? You know, we live in society and we have to interact with these things. But I think the missing link for me, which is interesting because, of course, being a ballet dancer, it was all body, wasn't it? It's all about body and your body is your instrument. But I didn't truly know my body. I, you know, even just down to the basics of I didn't actually have a clear idea of where my hip joints were or what my lungs looked like, or how my shoulder blades are designed to move, you know, when I lift my arm. It was more about what things looked like from the outside, because aesthetics are so important. You know, actually, your shoulders need to be here, your little finger needs to be here, your face needs to be here. So on the outside, you were training this outside world, but I think the huge missing piece for me was the inner world. That is the, the thing, isn't it? For me, I feel like that is the important thing, you know, your inner world and feeling at home in your inner world, understanding your inner world, understanding your body, your mind. And how I see it and feel it is that that, that is the way that we access our full potential. We're already, fascinatingly, it feels to me, touching upon that kind of head versus heart journey and trying to understand the body and the heart and that expression and that that uniqueness and that authenticity through the head, through the mind, is almost futile. The mind is heading elsewhere. It feels to me, when you're talking about the ballet school, that the institution side, is, for me, feels like the education side when you're young. 
there's so much going on around you, you just get drawn there that you'd never look inside first. Don't, you know, use your body for everything and your senses are doing all the work, but you go straight to what they're perceiving and not, like you said, the aesthetics and not actually where the perceptions are coming from. But at the same time in that young space, it's, it's difficult. Would people be ready for these kind of practices because we're so drawn into the outside, like 11 years old, you're, you're there, but that truly feeling and knowing yourself and those confines, which for me was so much around fear and consequence and what might happen to me, the image of me, were I to step out of place as you were. So you mentioned initially that embodiment, which for me sort of resonates with the idea of coming to that truth of your actual experience. So so where have you gone after that in terms of your journey of embodiment? There was um, a question about would younger people be ready for embodiment? For me, that feeling of anxiety is such a horrible feeling (laughs) and it can be transformed and alchemized. But you know that overwhelming feeling of anxiety? It's just it's just the worst. So I think that for me, that's enough of a motivation to learn more about yourself and your body. And the other motivation, I think, for young people, and especially, I suppose, if we were thinking of athletes and, you know, elite dancers, but actually anyone, but particularly people that work with their body, is understanding your, your biomechanics. So that's one thing that I work with. There's the more practical biomechanics and then there's the more abstract, yeah. esoteric that you can't always find the words for. You know, it's a feeling. So if you were thinking more biomechanics, actually having a sense of these are my hip joints, this is how they move. You know, if you were kicking a rugby, yeah, yeah, kicking definitely. a football, yeah. doing a grand batmon, um, these are my lungs. This is the optimal posture for my lungs. This is the optimal biomechanics of my shoulder girdle. It's quite motivating to think that you could embody and then maybe not perfect, but really work with your biomechanics to access your true physical potential. So I think actually that's quite a motivation. But being able to really conquer, and maybe the word is conquer, being able to really self-regulate and almost conquer your mind or work with your mind, for me, is a huge motivation. Because I remember that being a real stumbling block with auditions and with performances. And I sometimes would get myself into such a state that I would forget something that I knew inside out and back to front. (laughs) And I could even tell you 30 years later, I could even do the same dance. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I'd get myself into such a state in that moment. So I think that might be, that's the motivation for younger people or for anyone to to come on that journey of embodiment. But my journey was really, I stopped dancing at a young age. I was only 21 when I stopped really dancing professionally. I did actually dance a little bit longer, not so, not in the professional realm, which actually brought me way more joy, interestingly, <laughs> um, you know, without the pressure on it. But it was very traumatic when I stopped dancing for me. It felt very traumatic. I felt... Um, I stopped because of an injury, but in all honesty, that's not the full truth of it. I, I also stopped because I think really because it didn't feel aligned. I didn't, I felt like I was coming across, coming up against obstacles. I didn't feel good in my body. I didn't feel happy. 
which is interesting. You know, when I dreamed of something so much from such a young age, you know, from age 11, being at this, you know, very famous ballet school and you have this vision and it's a very clear vision. You know, you're literally watching those dancers on the stage. This is what your life is going to look like at age 21, which is only 10 years later for then that to be shifted, kind of broken down. It was, it did feel traumatic. It felt, I felt like I totally lost my identity. I was so proud when I would introduce myself as a dancer. And then suddenly I was like, well, what am I then if I'm, if I'm not that, you know, it's, yeah, it's so interesting. So I, at the time I was doing Pilates six days a week and I felt so strong, probably stronger than I'd ever felt actually from just doing ballet. I felt super, super strong in my body um, when I was doing Pilates that frequently. And I went to Australia and I worked with a really dear friend of mine, Bruce Hildebrand, and he was studying the Franklin Method at the time. And I never, I don't think I'd ever heard of the Franklin Method before. But when he came back, I covered him for a few weeks in his studio in Melbourne. And when he came back from Switzerland, from where he'd been studying, he was sharing the material with me. And I just had never felt that way in my body. I suddenly felt a groundedness that I'd never felt. I suddenly felt a comfort that I had actually, I probably had felt when I was younger, but I think I'd almost trained out of my body. I'd, tr I'd, I'd trained my body to be restricted. I trained my body to be tense, to be tight in, you know, in my ribs, in my breath, in my glutes. Yeah. I think I trained it, I, you know, through all of those years of training and stress. It was literally a visceral thing that I had this tension in my body. And as soon as I met the Franklin Method and, and that work, it was a visceral release. It was, it was almost like otherworldly for me. I was like, I have to study this. So that's yeah. what I did. And it was six years later that I had the opportunity to go into the formal training. And then after starting the formal training, I continued it. I went to Colorado to continue it, to New York to, to continue it. And that, that's, been the, that's been the biggest shift. It's been meeting the Franklin Method and transforming my body literally from the inside out. I feel I am a total, of course I am a totally different person from all those years yeah. ago, but I really feel that I'm a totally different person and I react totally differently to how I would react. You know, even, you know, prepping for things that you might feel nervous for. I feel like I've got the tools now that it's like, okay, I, I recognize I have the nerves, I have sweaty palms, <laughs> you know, my, my heart's going, you know, 10 to the dozen, but I can choose to go off on that train or I can choose to work with that and to see that and then to come back into my body, to notice my breath, to notice my heartbeat, to tap my diaphragm, to move my body in this embodied way and to come back to me. And I, and I think that's it. It's what you touched on at the very beginning it's, it's coming back to you and your truth, which is unique to all of us. Wow. I think that that truth as well, in my experience, is a constant revelation. It's not a thing where you get there and it's like, oh, I'm here. And now it's monotonous. It's like, that's it. Now I'm good. I'm where I am. It's, it's like a constant revelation of new. Every day it brings something new. Like that coming home is not a specific place with a boundary around it that's like, that's a home, like a house. It's like the unknown. You come back to the unknown and it's constantly feeding you and inspiring you. And people suddenly look like, instead of in the old place, they look like just people. Now they're impossible, 
intelligences with interactions and servings. And I, I really love that. And, it, and you mentioned just before about this idea about we were talking about living in the mind and, and that anxiety in children and, or in anyone and how we combat it, but in combating it and performing through that old school definition of resilience by just fighting against it and getting through anyway, you manage to do amazing things sometimes, but you do them without being present. And this is, I think, what, I don't know if I'll get you to comment on this, what the shift you felt with what you're talking about now is, but it makes me realise that I gave up rugby also, but I look back at how I played and performed in certain areas and I think I did some amazing things, but when I do them now, there's no comparison. I, I am so much more present and able and that nervous feeling becomes an extra power, whereas I was trying to fight it back then. And like you said, there'll be times that I'll do something in a game and think, we've practiced this move 15 times this week, and I'm the guy that came up with the damn move. And then it comes to the game, and I'm not there. I'm not in the right place. And I know why it is. It's because I'm not actually here anymore something else old habits old fears old instincts or whatever are trying to live for me and sometimes they get it right sometimes they don't but the when you like you said a work with the mind and you you become present in how you move and and just to finish that last point you mentioned about how the right posture for your lungs to breathe and the right posture for this and in that when I work now and if I'm with someone that's doing a skill you operate through that feel of saying how did it feel Let's look at how it can feel better. And naturally, they assume a different posture when they start to visualize this beauty and this depth and this this involvement in what they're doing. You see their body start to move and they start to hold themselves differently, like this intelligence inside them responds to their desire. And it makes me think that when our desire is to just get through and our leading emotion is fear, our bodies also respond to that and they kind of form around that fear. I'd be really interested to hear, does that resonate with when you're talking about this shift in you? Do you feel like if you had another crack at ballet, if it was in you, do you think now you would go in there and be like, actually, I think I have a, a different view of mastery in terms of this? So reflecting on when you said, you know, you were, you were, you were doing these moves, but you weren't there. You, you weren't present. You weren't there. It's like, gosh, where were you? Yeah. You know, where were you? You know, we're time traveling, but, but also just projecting and creating al alternative realities that aren't even true. Yeah. But then they become yeah. true because we believe it. Yeah. Because what we focus on expands and, and then becomes our reality. So then it's so powerful to just be here, to just, just be here. And the way I do that is to notice my breath. First of all, it's always breath. Just notice my breath in through my nose, out through my nose. Notice my heart beating. Notice how comfortable do I feel in my body, my feet on the floor. Do I feel grounded? Where am I? You know, do I feel like I'm in another stratosphere or am I here? And how can I come back to here? And then reflecting on, so if we have this image of, this is how it needs to look. So this is how this move needs to look. Feels like that's so limited in comparison to 
the fact that when we are here and when we are in our body, our body is an expression of nature. We are life. We are part of the universe. We looking out at nature and just seeing the ocean and seeing the beauty that you see, you know, the flowers and just the, the stars, like everything that we see, that is us. You know, that's not an esoteric thing. You know, it is us. You know, we're just an evolution, uh, you know, of nature. And that is a very different embodiment to be connecting with that. And then I love how you said, so if you imagine this and if you imagine that, then how does it feel? There's so much more scope if you imagine how does it feel? Because it could feel anything. It could feel terrible. It could feel full of anxiety. It could feel heavy. It could feel light. It could feel expansive. It could feel like honey. It, you know, it could feel anything. Mm. So that's the infinite potential. So it's, it's two interesting things. I think the mind is such a key piece because we can change our body by changing our mind. Right now, if you imagine that you're going to take a bite into a lemon, so if you imagine you're going to pick up a lemon, take a bite into it, you can feel your taste buds, you know, automatically yeah. start to yeah. kick in. Or if you yeah. imagine a scary, a fearful, scary scenario, you can feel your diaphragm gets tighter, your belly, you know. So you have this immediate physiological response to what you think. And it's immediate compared to if you imagine your happy place. So somewhere that you feel oh, I'm so relaxed, I'm with my favorite people, I just... I'm doing my favorite things. Notice how your body feels there. So you, you can change your body by changing your mind and your thoughts. But sometimes I feel that, so that's an incredible tool, but it can't be everything because sometimes that's limited. Sometimes we can't change our mind. We're so set in a pattern that it's difficult just to think yourself out of it. You know, I'm going to think positive. I'm going to think myself yeah. out of it. And I feel that that's where the body piece is actually infinite. You know, if you imagine your lungs, so for you and for anyone listening, if right now, if you just, if only if it's appropriate, perhaps close your eyes and just imagine your lungs and sense your breath as it comes in and out through your nose. And can you imagine that your lungs are an airway tree? So the trunk is your trachea and then it branches off into two bronchi, which enter each lung. And then those two bronchi bifurcate and you have 30,000 bronchioles. <laughs> and then you have 600 million alveoli in your lungs. So just for a moment, see if you can connect to that image. Basically, it's a tree. It's an upside down tree. It's a lot of leaves in my tree. Those alveoli on the end. It's a lot of, it's amazing. So just take a moment to breathe in to the alveoli, to breathe life into those leaves or blossoms. Perhaps you can imagine them blossoming. Mm. And another beautiful fact is that if you were to spread out the surface area of the alveoli, it would be the equivalent surface area to a tennis court. So that's how unbelievably magnificent our bodies are and intelligent. We didn't have to be these enormous creatures to take in that much oxygen. It's like, oh, we can just be the size we are. But we, our bodies have come up with this incredible design. And connecting with that, there's infinite potential in what you can imagine and then in what you can create. And this is a totally different kind of lifestyle to, if I remember, you mentioned about preparing for those big things when you felt 
you know, auditions or whatever, when you, you find yourself flustered, it, it's, it's almost like this is an opportunity and a possibility every moment. And yet when we are flustered, the one we go to is maybe the quick surface hit solution, maybe go eat some kind of food that takes you away, maybe go and stick something very entertaining and in your face on the TV, or maybe, you know, whatever you try and do, that's how we solve it. But this is an opportunity, like each challenge can send you deeper into the body and into that limit, because each challenge is essentially for me, it's that fork in the road that says, if you disappear during this challenge, you will not find out what it's about or learn from it. But if you are present throughout every moment of it, you're going to find out very soon why it's here. And it makes me think a little bit about whether that you finishing ballet, did ballet for you in that period you were with it serve its purpose? Do you know what I mean? Is that instead of it being a short career, was it kind of enough just to go bang, you need this. And then when you joined it, it sent you here on this purpose. Because what it seems interesting is you finish your ballet and you said it's a real big career shift and there doesn't seem to be any loss of purpose or passion because then you're in Colorado studying. Do you know what I mean? These aren't things you just, oh, I might give it a go. You know, those are big commitments. The same one maybe that's behind that higher high achieving idea at 11 years old because you mentioned that about those sort of people in that space they've got so much energy in them they want to achieve something whereas some others are not so worried about that but there's got to be something in that energy when we join it that's just more than oh well I want to achieve a few trophies and be well known for this it's like no it's it's bigger than that I don't think what's underneath us in that drive is literally saying you're here to pick up that trophy it's never so limiting as that and i wonder if you know if connecting with your your body and those big challenges has sent has, has deepened your understanding of what you might be supposed to be in your life and what you're supposed and who you're supposed to be well thank you so much i feel i feel like that was um that how you put that just felt so good in my, in my, <laughs> in my body I love how you said each challenge can send you, can send you deeper into the body. And it's, you know, what, what is this lesson for me? It's an, it's an opportunity. I love how you said that. And I, yeah, I, I fully agree and resonate with that. I think there's totally a time and place for just putting Netflix on and totally, but, and, or but, really finding deep meaning and deep purpose in these challenges I do. I feel like there is, there's a, almost a portal with each challenge that you can step into or you almost miss it. It's a bit like mm. the faraway tree. Yeah. <laughs> you know, bite to bite and spiral with those uh, worlds moving above. It's like, well, they're only here for a short period of time. Yeah. And it's like a, a, a portal that you can step into and explore. And it's not always easy. But yeah, like there's, there's beauty in all of those things. Gosh, that it's, I, I'm really feeling that at the moment with looking back on, instead of it being a short career that I had, just, yeah, that was the bang. And that was the absolute purpose to send me off on another trajectory. And what I have felt in, in all careers and in all of the paths is this just strong sense of pull and this strong sense of purpose. And I know that it's not always clear where it's going to lead you. You're thinking, why am I interested in this? And why am I interested in that? And these things don't appear related but I feel like if you follow the things that light you up, 
if you follow the things that kind of viscerally draw you to them, you can't explain it, but you just, I just have to learn about this. And I just have to yeah. be with this person and I have to listen to this. It, they are all clues. And it's not to a destination, but it's just, it's like little keys, isn't it? Little key, keys to unlock the next door and to unlock the next portal and to unlock the next chapter. And you mentioned about children and anxiety in children and... Yeah, the, the, the high achievement side. I think it's so interesting that life pushes us into that space, I think, and sends you after the trophy. But li life isn't bothered about trophies. That's, I think that's, you can serve people through you getting a trophy and the way you go about it can inspire people and maybe give them some things to interest, you know, some things to watch and bring joy to their lives. And that can be part of it. But it's not about lifting a trophy. I don't think, because I don't think life is ever bothered about one person being somehow regarded as better than another. It's a mutual serving, I think. And I think that's why it always leads to that feeling when you get the trophy, you kind of go, uh, until you rediscover that purpose and say, oh, sorry, I just veered away from you for a bit. <laughs> I just kind of went off. I kind of disconnected from you to go and get that trophy. But now I'm back with you on the, on the journey. It's so tempting, isn't it? It's, um, mm. It kind of it tempts us, which I think is a great thing. And I, I guess it's it, we said earlier that each challenge can send you deeper, but each um, temptation can send yeah, you deeper agreed. too. So agreed. it's, it's yeah. drawing you drawing you in a direction but it's so essential that we don't lose sight of that truth mm. so, it, so it's both I, I practiced buddhism for 10 years in the past and i remember there was one saying and i'm sure it was um i won't remember it word word by word but it was something about not letting the seven winds sway you so the wind of success and the wind of failure and the wind of grief so it's just kind of keeping that steadfast truth no matter what is going on around you because you're right. Actually, it's your baseline feeling, your baseline embodiment, your baseline comfort in your body, your baseline reality that, that is your truth. And the, the benchmark or the bar can keep being pushed further. You know, you get this trophy, or you're not satisfied until you get the next one. You earn this much money, you're not satisfied until you... That's, you're never going to necessarily yeah. get there. You're potentially always going to want more. So the thing is, can you be at home in your mobile home, in your mobile body, you know, that you're taking yeah. this vessel? Can you be at home in your instrument, honing your instrument as you navigate all of these seven winds or however many winds as you navigate everything that happens in your life? And, and perhaps that's the, the goal, you know, and that's the, that perhaps that's the trophy. My daughter was, um, at a surf lifesaving competition last weekend. And she actually gets very nervous. She's very, such a grounded soul. Um, and interestingly, she really does not like competition. In fact, <laughs> at her, I think it was her sixth birthday party. She came up with this game and it was called the sloth race. And it was who can go the slowest. <laughs> yeah. She doesn't like competition, which, you know, is is so interesting and she almost had it was almost borderline panic attack at age seven just before she did this um competition the other day so we were in wales and there were actually hundreds of people watching it's it's not a pressured thing at all 
but actually it's quite nerve-wracking being in front of that many people. And then suddenly like, gosh, I've got to perform. Gosh, I've got to swim from one end of the pool to the other end of the pool and I've got to beat a time. Or... And it was so lovely just to take her to one side and just ask her how she was feeling. What's going on in your body? How is your breath? Actually, what if the goal was to just enjoy the day? What if that could be your trophy? What if you have won if you even came last in everything, but you actually loved it and you just, you know, you had a giggle with your friends and you feel great in your body and it doesn't matter where you come and what your time score is. And she did. She managed to, to shift it. And actually, as you have probably felt, you know, once you start, you're kind of okay. It's often the, it's your internal dialogue, isn't it, before you get going. Yeah, of course, it's, yeah. it's these projections yeah. of, oh my gosh, what could happen? These like negative yeah. realities that you're projecting or imagining once you get going you're you're in your body and it's easier than you ever imagined it could be but I think that there's really something in that and um recently I was asked to create a few videos for um students at GCSE and A level doing their GCSEs and doing their A levels because there seems to be a really high rise of anxiety you know around having this pressure of having to perform and having to get certain grades and things having to look a certain way. And it felt like a real um, honor to be asked to do that because I feel like this would have been such a game changer for me back in the day when I was a dancer. I remember I always was quite drawn to creating my own rituals. I used to have playlists and Braveheart, I was listening to the Braveheart soundtrack. That was like the one that was like, (laughs) that used to really fire me up and get me in my body. So I've always been quite drawn to um, creating my own rituals. But actually, if, if this could be what was taught in schools, you know, taught about mm. our own inner health and our own inner well-being and the skills of being able to self-regulate and having our own goals, our own goals, not everybody else's goals. Like, what is it that I want to achieve? Like, how can I goal set for myself? And we do this a lot within the Franklin Method and within my work. What is my end state goal? And that could be, I really want to get an A in this, or I really want to get this job. Or So you have this end state goal, but if you're only looking at that goal and it doesn't happen, it, that's just shattering. Everything, your whole identity falls away because you didn't achieve that. But if you can have these mini goals along the way, of whatever happens, I'm going to breathe. Whatever happens, I'm going to enjoy it. Whatever happens, I'm going to feel creative and inspired and abundant. And I'm, I'm going to shine as my unique self, as the, you know, the individual flower that I am. I'm not the same as anybody else. I don't look the same as anyone else. I don't dance. I don't move. I have different, a different creative expression that's coming through me, but I'm going to be absolutely me and trust the process. And whatever happens, that outcome, I will trust that, okay, that was what I'd imaged. It didn't quite turn out, but I feel aligned and I, just a, a plot shift. It's like, okay, we're going in this direction, but whatever it is, I can still stay truly aligned to what is me, to that truth and be in my body. Yeah, I definitely. The, two things are sort of arising in me when you're saying that. One is that what if we could understand that this isn't a wrong turn. It's always part of the path to what we're after. And in that same breath, <clears throat> something you mentioned about really experiencing it and feeling the the, the beauty of it and, it and 
and really just embracing every part of it rather than jumping ahead to the end goal. And if it happens, then I'll almost retroactively enjoy it because I won. Or I'll retroactively hate it because I lost. Instead of actually, well, why not enjoy it while it's happening and then work out what happens when you get the result. But that that came to me in with working with guys who are trying to kick balls is that you end up sort of saying, look, if you're going to miss this, miss it beautifully. And it's a very difficult thing to do because it, when you choose the beauty, it's very hard to miss. But the other part of it being is that the other question I sometimes pose to people, and I pose it to myself all the time, is if you knew this had already or, or was going to turn out beautifully and amazing, how would you be preparing for it? Your job is to enjoy it and find out how amazing, but you already know it's amazing. So you have that trust at the base and therefore you respond according to the trust and therefore you open and you allow yourself to really experience all of it or you operate through the distrust, which is basically what I did, which is this is going to turn out terribly. It's my job to stand watch and move every piece as it's happening to protect it. But neither of those, as you said, are true. So which one are you going to choose? But when you say this is going to turn out awesomely, now the way to take you into an area you really don't want to go and you don't need to is that when someone kicks a ball from in front of the post and they put the ball down 15 metres out because yeah, that's where they need to kick it from and it's, it's an easy kick. They put the ball down, they walk back, they turn around and they kick it. It goes about 50 metres past the post in a dead straight powerful line. Yet when you move them 50 metres back in front of the post where it's perceived to be a difficult kick, the trust has changed. When you're 10 metres out, the trust is, this is going to be awesome, so I'll just do it. But now you're 50 metres away, you're, you've just hit a kick that made this easy, but now your trust is, this is a difficult kick. It could go wrong in so many ways, so I'm going to try and manage it. And you end up, as we were talking earlier, in terms of presence, on the first one, you're just you and you do something immense and it always surprises you like, geez, how did I do that? Whereas when you go further back and you operate through distrust, you operate empty. Like we were saying, you're not there and suddenly it's almost like you've gone. And that opportunity I think is available. And I wonder if that's a big part of today, you said with these young people who seem to be, and me as well, sensitive and are no longer willing to just say, I'll take on the distrust and I'll fight like everyone else. They're almost saying, part of them saying, I want to explore that trust because I don't want to have to fight through my life. There seems to be a question out to be, this has got to be more than this. Surely life isn't about fighting through to the end because maybe they're becoming also more aware of the fact that there's nothing really worth waiting for at the end that, you know, or at the end that's worth missing your life for. Does Does that sort of, resonate in terms of some of that trust how does that relate to the embodiment and the the feeling is that in there as well I think when we start to overthink and come into our mind as incredible as our minds are we come out of that limitless potential that is in our mm. body so that's what really came up with that and so then it's how can we train how can we train to be in that limit, limitless potential and not only in those crucial moments, but in every moment right now, or, you know, you're cooking your dinner, 
you're driving, you're, you're taking your children to school in every moment. So it just becomes a state of being. It's not something that's like, oh my goodness, I've got to do this whole ritual and get into the zone so I can access my limitless potential in this moment. It's like, actually, how can I live in this limitless potential? Because it doesn't have to be a, a grand thing. It's just, how can I just be here and be present? It's actually the most simple thing. You know, when we, we look at animals in nature, they're in this parasympathetic zone. Most of the time, I think it's something like 90% of the time, they're in their parasympathetic nervous system. Where I remember our conversations a, a few years ago, you know, if actually you're in that parasympathetic zone, you have almost a wider periphery. You, your senses are more honed in ways you're, you're more in tune with your body, whereas being in your sympathetic nervous system is brilliant, and it's brilliant in those moments of pressure, but it's not good to be in it more than 10% actually of your life. And I think, uh, you know, especially when we're training for anything at a high level, or even not, you know, not necessarily at a high vocational level, we can feel these societal pressures and, and just even personal pressures that we put on ourselves. And then we end up living in this sympathetic nervous system where, which can be a superpower when it's, when you harness it, but it becomes less of a superpower because it degrades everything. It degrades your immune system. It degrades, you breathe differently. You're more likely to suffer with back pain if you're in this constant level of stress. So yeah, it's how can we find the ways to really hone and tune tune up our instrument and be in our bodies, be present, be here, be now. It's not just sitting in half an hour meditation every day, which is, of course, that's a wonderful thing to do. But how can we be in our body now? How can we feel our feet on the floor, feel the support of the floor, feel the inspiration in our lungs, feel the abundance that we are, and, and sensing our infinite potential in each moment so that then we can harness it even more in those critical moments that really matter. Yeah, and, and I've, I've seen this on y your website in terms of practicing how you want to be. And in those moments when you want to be absolutely you, well, then practice being absolutely you in the moments that don't have that sort of trigger of, oh my God, challenge, quickly be you. It's like, well, just be you now so that it becomes an effortless opportunity it's really interesting because I stress so much I, I actually ridiculously I stress way more when I wasn't playing than when I was and like you said once you get going you're fine so that two minutes before the game you think oh I'm really stressing I stressed the entire week before the game that's how much I was I was doing that and I realized now speaking to my brother who's in the the, the sort of fitness health industry He's talking about how when people are training, they, they sort of realize that it's in the relaxation, it's in the, 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 the feeding, it's in the sleeping that you, you actually adapt to your stress and come back stronger and, and, you know, positively adapt, positive adaptation. And it feels like in relaxation, we tilt more towards evolution, whereas through stress, it feels like it's development. Because I know if I keep stressing, I know that I'm working through trying to survive my old ideas, keep them alive. And if I'm trying to become even more out of what I've got, I can't become 
anything extra than what I've got. So I can only become a contraction of it. And I feel like it's a bit like a journey of those, I don't know if it's Chinese or Russian dolls, you know, where you open them and you get a smaller one inside. And we call that aging. Because on a physical level, we stress and stress and stress. And each step, if you've got what you've got and you do your best out of it, you can only come up with something smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. But in relaxation, you get expansion. You're almost doing the opposite journey. You're, you're starting as a smaller doll and you're becoming bigger. And age has nothing to do with it, apart from, as you just said, it gives you more time to practice. That's so beautiful. Yeah, so my insights that came up from that were... You know, as you mentioned, your brother in in exercise, I feel like exercise can be a really beautiful place to practice embodiment, relaxation and exercise. Why not practice it in every moment? Why not do your squats, do 10 squats yeah. and you can be embodied <laughs> because you're imagining your yeah. sit bones going out, your sit bones coming in. Why not do a bridge and sense your arms on yeah. the floor, your feet on the floor? You know, use use every opportunity to to practice embodiment because we we are always training ourselves. We're always training our mind. We're always training our body. We get better at whatever we do. So right now, how you're sitting, how I'm sitting, we are getting better at sitting that way. However, we think we're getting better at thinking that way. So if we are on a negative, quote unquote, negative or um, inoptimal thought trajectory, we're getting better at that. If we're thinking anger, if we're thinking stress, it becomes more pronounced. We see things that make us angry and that make us stressed. And the reverse is true. If we feel joy in our body, expanse in our body, flexibility in our body, we get, we get better at feeling that. And it literally is who we become. It's what we project out into the world. And it's an energy. And I feel like then it's what you, you attract back in. So be you now all the time. Don't do a workout that you feel stressed after. Yeah. Of course, if you're going to run a marathon, you're not going to feel like, oh, I feel so relaxed after. <laughs> you know, challenge yourself. But can you run the marathon and be efficient? Can you be efficient because your femur heads are swinging in their hip sockets? Can you be efficient because you're embodying the spring of your plantar fascia? You're embodying the spring of your pelvic floor. You are taking in that tennis court's worth of oxygen. You know, yeah. be here now, like you said, be you now, be here now when you're running the marathon, when you're in a challenge, when you're in a workout, when you're cooking your dinner, when you're in an interview, just be here and be you now because you're not going to be anyone else. You're not going to do a better job of being someone else. Yeah. You, might, you might as well just be you and just be you to the best of your ability, like just fully let your expression of you come out and be free in, in this vessel. It's amazing because you, you have boxers who talk about the secret is relaxation, but you're like, you're about to punch each other. It's like, yeah, but it's all in the relaxation of the shoulders. That's where the, the secret is in the movement. And we had a breathing specialist who was telling us about um, how the the winner of the last marathon, maybe even the world record breaker, ran the last amount. And they were saying it was nasal breathing the whole way. Relaxed nasal breathing, the sprinters, they're always saying, relax your shoulders. That's where you're going wrong. You're trying too hard. That that paradox of effortless effort, relaxation and effort at the same time is so cool. And with what you were you were saying there about we get better at what we we sort of practice, 
we can become a reductive process if all we're doing is working with what we got and doing what we can with it instead of opening up to the unknown, receiving something from bigger than us, opening up to saying to our vulnerability. But if we keep conquering our vulnerability, we're going to turn ourselves into, you know, a reductive process of smaller and smaller and smaller. And what's really struck me out of what you've said there is, I've not looked at it this way, but it's my brother and I have tinkered with this a bit, but it's just come to me there is that there's a beauty and a grace that comes to me when you're talking about that relaxation during doing squats. You're like, well, okay, you're doing squats. You see someone doing it in a gym and normally it makes you quite intimidated. Someone's got a huge weight on their back. They're grunting ah, and they're doing this and, and you can see the faces going red and you sort of go, Ugh. but there's a possibility to do a graceful, beautiful squat not from an aesthetic perspective, but from an internal perspective of being present with it. It feels like that beauty and grace and that uniqueness has a presence to it. Which then brings me back to the ballet thing. There's the routine, things to follow, the structure. But then it's also the about the grace and the elegance and the beauty. And you're kind of like, well, those are two very interesting things to marry up. It feels a bit similar to gymnastics when you have coaches saying, ah, do this, do this. And you're kind of like, but then go make it look graceful. It's like, well, how does, how does that work? And how does, how does what you're talking about there in this embodiment play a role in that? And is this where you might be able to explain a bit about what the Franklin method is? I guess we've been probably touching on it already with some of the conversation, but that beauty and grace and the presence within and marrying that up in ballet and the Franklin method and all these things, is that what this is becoming for you? Almost living your life as gracefully, which feels like efficiently as well, inspired and, and everything. So reflecting on what you said about um, the boxers saying, you know, it's all in the relaxation. I wonder, is it, is it in the relaxation or is it in what we've kind of been alluding to in this kind of truth or in this zone of genius or in this flow state? You know, is it, is it, is it really the relaxing of the shoulders? You know? Yeah. Or is it the relaxation is what triggers into that flow state? But when you actually look at them and they're in the zone, you're like, but you're not relaxed, but you are relaxed, but it's not an aesthetic relax where it's like an, a physical relax. No, it's an internal almost surrender to that genius yeah 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 that makes good sense it's gorgeous it's like that expansion so it's but it can be accessed through okay can you release your jaw can you breathe a little bit more deeply can you drop your shoulders down can you feel your feet on the floor so it can be accessed through all of these things but actually I, I don't know the answer to what it is but I wonder what is it is it be us being able to access that zone of genius and that element of efficiency that then it's like your body knows the exact amount of effort you need in that given moment. The you know, why would you need a drop more tension? Because that's just going to, it's going to be kind of abrasive to your body. It's going to limit you. And I don't want to jump around too much here, but I've written down a, a moving meditation almost. So your workouts yeah. can be a moving meditation. Your um, rugby game can be a moving meditation your ballet class, your marathon, your workout, your you know, pelvic floor class, whatever it is, it can be embodied. It can be an opportunity to get to know you, to be more in this deep relationship with you. Mm. As opposed to getting through it and doing some meditation when you get home, when you've got the chores done, and then suddenly 
you know, someone does something which means, oh, no, I've got to do that. I'm not going to have time for my meditation instead of actually that thing that someone's just created, that problem for you might be another opportunity to do your moving meditation, as it were. Yeah, and it's that, where where are you now? You know, when you're doing your workout, where are you? It's It's another opportunity to just be here. And also that we don't have to figure everything out that I'm just thinking, um, you know, if you're having a challenging situation, it's like, can I just come back in, back into my body and into that element of trust and into the inspiration in my lungs and the feeling of safety in my pelvis and being supported by the floor and actually just trust that I'm going to take, I'm going to put one foot in front of each other, take one step at a time and just allow it all to unfold. The elegance and grace, but also with the structure and the the routine to follow almost. You know, we had this in rugby, you have a game plan and then you're also saying, yeah, but we need to make sure we do this, but we also want you to be you. But remember this and be you. Don't forget this or be you. You know, it's that kind of, when actually, I think maybe the stuff you're supposed to remember, when you be you, you will remember. But when you're trying to remember it, you don't be you. So true. I actually said that I'd written so many notes before our meeting and then I just, I did an exercise called brain balancing, which just really helps me to be here now. And I said that to myself, you know it, you know it all. You don't yeah, have to have all yeah. the notes around. It's all, it's there. Like that inner knowing is literally limitless. I think that would be such a beautiful aspect of any training, just getting to know yourself, getting to know how to breathe, how to stand, the optimal posture, not in a way that it's shoulders back, tummy in, pelvis tucked, because again, that's just artificial, Mm. but how how does it feel when my shoulders are melting, my shoulder blades are melting down my back? How does it feel when my heart is expansive? Or how does it feel when I'm feeling very tight in my diaphragm? It's a choice that I continue to feel like that. I have a toolbox to shift it. I feel like that is would be an essential, is an essential piece, actually to every human, you know, that that really we should, it would be such an empowering thing to know our bodies, to, to know that we can transform and alchemize anxiety, to know that we can improve our posture, not by pulling our shoulders back, by, but by having an image of our heart shining and almost bursting out of our chest, yeah. to have a toolbox. That would be such a beautiful piece of education for anyone that's an athlete, but just just all of us, that, that we are in a way. I remember when I was dancing, I, I really didn't feel in charge of my own destiny. I didn't feel, I didn't, yeah, I didn't feel in charge of my own destiny. Whereas I do now, I, I can't control everything that is going on outside of me, but, and I'm not saying that I can control what's going on in my body, but. I'm, I'm best friends with my body. And no yeah. matter what it looks like, you know, it might be a little bit wobbly here, it might, whatever. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter what things really look like on the outside. I can enhance how I feel on the inside. And for me, that, that's everything. Yeah, that's, that's so powerful. And I think in a way that's cleared up some really interesting things for me is that there's the physical aesthetic element but there's also a representation of that internally, which which doesn't have to abide by those rules. You know, like the relaxation we mentioned just then, that you, you can be sprinting full on, but be relaxed inside, be surrendering in some way. When I walk 
and I do it in a way that I felt this is going to feel good. I always slow down and I'm almost so slow that I'm barely moving. But you can still be hurrying in your day, but be slow inside. You can still be slow motion inside. You can still be, like you said, in that in that honey, in that treacle inside. Even though someone says, get here now, you're like, I'm on my way. And you sprint over. And as you're sprinting, you're like, time's barely moving. That is possible. But because we don't have that embodiment, the physical gives us our internal truth. The aesthetic and the, the effort tells us how it must be on the inside. But there is this possibility to live however we need to live, but feel it in a different way, to feel it in a way which almost is at odds with what it looks like on the outside. And I think there's that's that's a realm that I don't think has been tapped into hugely. I just um, wrote down, you know, can we make our internal reality stronger than this perceived yeah. external reality? Because it's all perceived anyway. I mean, who knows yeah. that you're seeing the same color that I'm seeing we often think that dogs can hear a different yeah. pitch to us. It's just, it's a construct anyway, isn't it? So it why is. not actually create your own reality? I mean, we're doing it all the time and we are doing it anyway. So why not get better at doing it? Because we're already doing it. And and I think it's quite interesting when you mentioned about the posture, when people say, well, do this, do this, do this. It's the physical. Now you can have amazing posture and feel terrible inside. You could have a not so good posture, but be at ease. But I think, I think naturally, if that, if that inner ease is inspired by the desire to really find out, you know, who you are, I think it will, it will work your, the posture into something powerful. It's not a giving up, you know, the posture of kind of, oh, you know, I'm, I'm finished. There's energy there, energy for life and exploration and curiosity. And I think it's difficult to separate that. Because it, it feels like it needs a strong will to go into this journey because there's too many cultural prompts and opportunities, as you said, to be tempted into that. Yeah, I know, but you know, you can create this. Way. Yeah, I know you say that, but you know, look at what this person just did to me. You know, if that was the case, but there is a, and with that power, I think transformation is possible on the outside. It's not a kind of, well, I'll hide away in my own internal world. It's like the out, the outside world, as you said, or as you say, is it, when it's overpowered by the internal, we'll have to catch up. That's been my experience with as soon as you say, I feel amazing. Well, how are you playing? Yeah, awesome. How are your relationships with everyone? Pretty amazing. Yeah. And, and you know, what's your health like? Yeah, yeah, that's good as well. It doesn't tend to work the other way around. What is that saying that you are the... Basically, that your environment, in a sense, rubs off on you. Yeah. So we're talking about external environment and then it, cultivating this internal environment. So I also think it is important what we are surrounding ourselves with. You know, the, the people that we, the people that we really, really vibe with, to make sure that they're in our life. You know, to be conscious of what you're listening to. Is it the radio mm. that you put on first thing in the morning, or is it music that lights you up? Is it a podcast, you know, who are you speaking to about things that are going on in your life? How are you moving? Who is your exercise coach? You know, those, those things, who are the people that are influencing you? I think that's so important. And then it becomes easier because they're holding that reality too. You know, I have like such beautiful friends that are in this, it feels like they're in this reality with me and it, it kind of holds me to it. And those moments when I slip, I see them and I'm, I'm like, Yes, I, I know I, I can kind of come back to that. 
because you're right, it's, it's not always easy. You know, we we all have really challenging situations in our life that are an opportunity. It's a bit like snakes and ladders, isn't it? You can kind of slip all the way down or it potentially could be a ladder to another dimension. So I think it is so important. What are the things that you are surrounding, you're surrounding yourself with because they are such important influences on you? If people hear you say the Franklin Method, what does that mean to people? What will they find? And, and then from that perspective, if you wouldn't mind also telling us, because obviously that's a large part of your life, but is there anything specific, we might have covered this already, that you do in your routine daily? You said you had your rituals, I don't know if that's still the case, but you know, or when you're moving, or is it just a philosophy that you really follow? Because we have mentioned a lot about being present and being in your own body and experiencing this moment and and the, the visualisation around the lungs and really all this stuff. But w- what would a day look like for you when you feel like I'm following my passion and I'm, I'm working on myself in an enjoyable way? Ritual is still a part of my life. <laughs> and it's interesting. Sometimes I feel quite averse to routine because I like to have a sense of freedom just to for life to take me where it wants to go. But having said that, I feel like there are some really key points that really are essential in me accessing this higher potential and being as present as, as I want to be. So the things that my ideal day is when I could set my alarm. I could go to bed at nine o'clock the night before so that I have plenty of sleep and then I could get up at six o'clock in the morning before my two gorgeous daughters wake up, before my husband wakes up. So I have just that quiet, that time on my own. (laughs) Um, And I would go downstairs and perhaps make a coffee or a tea and take it into, I have a, a studio in the garden and go into that space and do whatever feels, I suppose, aligned in that moment. So I would check in with myself. What is it that you need? So be in this dialogue with myself. Is it movement? Do you want to move? Do you want to walk on the treadmill? Is it you want to sit quietly? Do you want to roll around on the Franklin balls? Like, What is it that would support you to come into your body? And I would do that. And then I would sit in a quiet meditation. And that might be that it's 10 minutes before the children wake up. And that is enough. It might be on another day that it's a whole hour, which would just feel wonderful. So I would try to do that before the children wake up. They tend to wake up at seven. Then I'm mum, kind of dive into all of that world. And I really notice that I I am different. If I've started my day in that way, it is a different reality that I'm creating for myself and for my children because I respond differently. You know, if we're trying to rush out the door by eight o'clock and I'm a bit more patient, (laughs) a bit more embodied, it's a huge knock-on effect because their nervous systems are regulating with my nervous system. So that's a huge motivation for me. It's not just for me to access my potential and have all of these creative ideas and feel motivated. It's like, this is a huge knock-on effect into my family. You know, my marriage is different. My relationship with my children, everything is different if when I am aligned. So, so just when you said about you, you tune into your body and then you meditate, is that tend to be in that order? I know I certainly, if I go and, do something that feels and it's often movement for me or whatever after I've finished I'll often feel like sitting and meditating it feels perfect it's almost like that whether it's uh, moving some energy around or whatever it be and then it's like ah but going straight into that sitting or whatever the meditation is can feel a bit like ah do you tend to find that 
I totally find that, especially if I do some of these processes, for example, um, tapping of the body. So like a proprioceptive tapping that you'll see me teach lots in classes or neck sponging or releasing tension in my jaw. So the first thing I tend to do is just take a minute just to be quiet and just to notice how is body. And it will tell me this, this um, side of your neck is a bit tight or this shoulder is a bit tight. Your diaphragm, you, you feel anxious. Your diaphragm needs to stretch or your jaw is tight. And then I have this, you know, incredible toolbox after 21 years of teaching now, which is, you know, amazing, bonkers. I have an incredible toolbox that I can just, and then, then the most simple things, I'm just going to massage my masseter muscle. I'm going to, I'll tap my diaphragm and stretch it. Yeah, so I tend to find that if I can move that tension out of my body, it's almost like creating better feng shui in my body. I can create more of a flow. I can let go of the patterns that were there before. And it's easier then just to be quiet. Yeah, that's cool. And and it's a lot of the, what you're talking about there, that's that's what's involved in Franklin Method. There seems to be some real subtle sort of interesting, like you said, tools there for, first of all, almost scanning, recognizing where you are, and then working with that to create this sensitivity, this awareness, this kind of embodiment, as you say, that then I guess during the day, is it about trying to trying to maintain that awareness so that you don't, you know, like I always say, you, know, you have a great conversation with someone, you say, that's such a good idea. And it's four o'clock in the afternoon before you go, oh, sh- oh God, I remember now I was supposed to do that. Was I? That was a great idea. Is it about kind of like keeping that, as you said, inner world higher on the priority list throughout your day as much as you can yes absolutely and this is another example of you get better at whatever you practice so if it, this is a new idea for anybody it just takes that conscious effort oh yes i'm gonna i'm just gonna be quiet for a minute and actually one minute of just being with yourself can be incredibly challenging if it's not a practice that you're used to but you get better at whatever you practice and then when you start to notice well, this is what it feels like when my shoulders are dropped. Gosh, this is what it feels like to feel safe in my body, to feel grounded. It gives you a new repertoire. It gives you a new language. And it doesn't feel good when you start to stray from that. You're like, I'm not enjoying how I'm feeling. So it's almost like my flags go up. Like this, this doesn't feel aligned. Beep, beep, beep. You know, what's going on? And then, then I can kind of reroute by, okay, it's going to take five minutes. I'm just going to breathe. I'm just going to come back into body. So yeah, it is for me now, it's all about what feels aligned. And this this is my business, it's called Aligned, which is embodiment practices, um, workouts that enable you to develop this beautiful relationship that we can have with our body. And this, you could almost go as far as saying this is the most important relationship of your life, the one with yourself. That's so, so powerful. But how, how much do we can we as we said when you're present i think that's what that you're doing you're nurturing that relationship with yourself you're exploring it and and enhancing it or doing it but when you're not you're working on someone else or something else at the cost of yourself it always feels you know prioritizing you and if i think it feels so good for our bodies to be listened to it's like thank you you know often we can have our bodies start to scream louder when we're not listening to them. You know, whether it's IBS or whether it's neck and shoulder tension, back issues, anxiety, that it's your body trying to communicate something with you. And we can often think, no, I need to override it. I need to achieve this, this, and it will just start to scream louder. 
until we actually just go back to, okay, I'm going to be with you. I don't know what the message is. I don't know what the answer is right now, but I'm just going to be with you like I would be with my children. Fine. I can see something's going on here. Can we just breathe? Can I just be with you? And for our body to feel that we are prioritizing it and that we're listening to it, I think is really huge because bizarrely we have a culture where there can often be a lot of guilt wrapped up in looking after ourselves. And, you know, especially as a mother, actually, you know, gosh, oh, you've got time to exercise every day, have you? Or, you know, there's, it's almost like it's um, celebrated to be selfless and to put everyone else's priority, you know, to prioritize everybody else. And actually, I really view it as the opposite. It's, it's not selfish at all to, it's actually creating a huge independence and empowerment to have this strong relationship with yourself and to be able to self-regulate and to create your own reality and not rely on anybody else for that. And very empowering for everybody in your life to, to do the same permission for everybody else to do the same. Yeah, I completely, I think it's the highest level of service is to explore your, cause if you have that, that, beauty and that grace in every moment that's your offering to the planet to the world but if you have this you go first and this stress that's my offering to the world is some more stress i'm adding to the sum total of stress instead of being as you said an alchemist let me take in the stress around me the anxiety around me and let me filter it through me and send it out as as love and connection in my the way i move and in the way that i i don't know the way that i think and the way that i respond to situations i think that's you know it's such a powerful service I'm, I'm i'm sort of interested as we sort of come to a close to find out what is it that you're drawn to and in terms of where do you feel most inspired i have certain thing that used to be in doing certain things on the rugby field or that's where i'd find out about myself stuff i didn't know i knew what it comes from now is going into these discussions being a little bit deliberately blind so that I'm forced to, as you said, you've got the script there if you want it, but you kind of go, nah, I'm going to shoot from the hip mostly. And I'm, and then suddenly you start speaking before you've engaged your mind, as we said, which feels it's like coming from the heart, unless it's complete mindless, mindless drivel, which can sometimes be the case for me. But a lot of the times it comes from the heart and I end up listening to myself thinking, where did that come from? But the catalyst is the challenge the nervousness but it's also the other person what they bring how they move and poke and prod and what energy they bring so i love that what's that for you where's where's your revelations coming what inspires you and and you know and, and are you able to give that you know as much time as you want and do you try to what inspires me is whatever opens up new perspectives for me whatever supports me to see something new, that freshness really inspires me. Things that feel like they take me to a deeper level of myself, like a little bit like the Russian dolls, but not getting smaller, maybe more like an onion or just something like the peeling away, the peeling away, the peeling yeah. away. Oh, I, do you know what I thought this was my reality. And that peeled away, it's like, oh, this is the reality. But then it's like, yeah. oh no, this is the reality. <laughs> it, it lights me up so much. Travel lights me up so much. And I think partly because that that's what I see when I travel. It's like tasting something new, seeing something new, hearing something new. It, it inspires that kind of freshness in me. 
And even with my own creative ideas, you know, it feels like it really ignites that for me, which I love. Also, what really lights me up is it's the truth really lights me up. You know, if I'm in a conversation with somebody, I, I love a one, one-on-one conversation with somebody. It's got my favorite. You know, and actually, can this conversation just be true? And doesn't matter where it goes, but can it just, can we find a similar resonance so that I'm talking to the truth of you? You know, really, really to you and not a pretense and not what I feel like you need to say and that we can yeah. both be embodied with our feet on the floor. We're breathing and it's just, it, it's just this flow. And I want you to connect with the truth of me. And no, no one's in competition with anyone else because we are all this unique expression of reality and we are all part of this ecosystem and when each part of the ecosystem, like each part of the body is balanced, you know, if you release neck and shoulder tension, oh, I've got more power in my pelvis. I can literally lift higher weights. But what's that got to do with my jaw or my foot? Or, you know, because we're an ecosystem. And if you improve one piece, it improves the whole. And the yeah. same thing with us. If, you know, if we can really regulate, not even just regulate, but if we can create an ecosystem that is thriving and support each other ecosystem in our lives to thrive you know what a different reality we are creating thank you so much for your time what an awesome awesome conversation like i said i love this because things come up in me that i'm just i feel like we're all serving each other and for me the podcast like this is is that finding the teacher and everyone i know it's what you do but even in this conversation i'm kind of like oh, we could discuss this but you're like oh no 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 i'm here to to reveal something and to learn it's it's really powerful so thanks for your time and and all your energy that you've brought to it thank you so much so that's it for another episode of i am it's brilliant to be sharing this unfolding experience with you all if you'd like to get in touch with either me or the guest then all the information you need is in the show notes I welcome all and any feedback. I really want all of you to have a hand in guiding the feel of this show and the path of the conversation as well. So just keep them coming in. And until next time, I'm Johnny Wilkinson, and this has been I Am. This show is brought to you by Mags Creative. The executive producer is Megan Hill-Smith. Assistant producer is Alex Macy. That's all for this week's episode of I Am. Before you go, a big thank you to Vivo Life, our podcast partner, who deliver affordable, natural and UK-made supplements straight to your door. Vivo Life perfectly embodies the principles we're discussing here at I Am, and we're excited for you to experience their products firsthand. As a special offer for our listeners, they're currently offering their biggest sale ever. Use the code IAMPODCAST, all in capital letters, to receive 40% off your initial purchase and an additional 15% discount on subsequent orders with a subscription. Visit www.vivolife.co.uk to explore their complete range of products and discover how they can help you unleash your full potential.